I want you to imagine for a moment that you have become the owner of one of the greatest NASCARs in all the world. And you decide that you're going to make a very serious run at the Daytona 500 that's next week. What are the odds that you would fill that tank with unleaded, low-octane fuel from a discount station? I mean, what are are the odds you would win if you did that? I don't think they'd be very high. You know, what what do you think the chances are that the NFL players on the, the Saints, how many Saints fans, by the way? Yeah. Pretty pretty excited, aren't you? <laughs> Colts fans? <laughs> Steeler fans? Yes. <laughs> but what what's the chance, do you think, that those NFL players, as part of their preparation for tonight's Super Bowl, developed a training regimen, exclusive diet, consisting of Doritos, Twinkies, and Mountain Dew. Now, I'm not talking about your preparation for the Super Bowl. But the NFL players that are going to play today, I think they were watching what they're eating. I mean, we tend to be quite serious about what we put in to the things that matter to us, right? True? Is that true? I mean, we're, we're extremely careful what we put in our car, what we put in our kids, what we put in our pets, what we put in our bodies. And in fact, uh, what we put in our bodies has become a multi-billion dollar industry. And you can watch TV, especially late at night, all kinds of infomercials and health gurus. And they'll say things like, the secret to bodily health is low-carb, uh, high-fat diet. Or they'll say, no, 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 it's not that. It's, it's high-protein, no-carb diet or, you know, no sugars or, or whatever. You know, sometimes they'll tell you the secret is uh, whatever product they're pushing, you know, like energy bars or wheat germ supplements, slim fast, you know, colon cleansers, whatever. My personal conviction, pizza with the works, okay? But, um, I mean, I think that we understand at a very basic level that what we put into our bodies ultimately will determine our performance, our, our well-being as an individual, And what I find amazing, or staggering, maybe, is that the most important area of our life, we we disregard. I mean, we kind of disregard the basic wisdom. We kind of discount it. Uh, Maybe nonchalant. Sometimes people have a little bit more of a cavalier attitude. But we discount how we should handle our mind. I mean, what we feed our minds is paramount. You know, everything else pales in comparison, and yet we give it so little thought. You know, this series we've been looking at the book of Philippians. 
And Paul is writing to the people of Philippi. And he's saying, let me show you how to live. Let me show Christians how to live the way that God designed you to live. And Paul addresses today's topic. And he says, you know what? You've got to pay attention to what you're feeding your mind. I mean, this truth will transform your life. You know, Paul says, I've got an app for this one. He says, finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worth worthy of praise, think about these things. In a nutshell, Paul says, think excellent thoughts. Think excellent thoughts. You know, when it comes to your mind, think excellent thoughts. And I believe that we have to consider a couple laws to really get our our mind around this one. You know, the law of cognition uh, is basically you are what you think. You know, psychologist uh, Archie Hart, he writes and says that research has, has shown that the thought life influences every aspect of our being. You know, that, that kind people are simply the type of people that habitually uh, tend to think kind thoughts. And that angry people are simply people who habitually tend to think angry thoughts that uh, about resentment and hostility. And we have seen study after study in, in the past 50 years that point to that truth. You know, one of the most dominant movements in American psychology has been known as that cognitive psychology. You know, the, the concept or the foundation of that is kind of built around the idea that the way you think, the way you use your mind, is the most important shaper of who you are as an individual or as a person. The way you think creates your attitudes, uh, shapes your emotion, uh, affects your behavior. It, it will impact you in every area. In fact, it will impact your, your immune system. You know, your vulnerability to, to illness has a lot to do with what we think. You know, everything about you that matters, think about this, flows out of what happens up here in your mind. You know, I, I, I believe that what is happening in the social sciences is they are finally understanding what was crystal clear to writers of Scripture thousands of years ago. You know, Paul Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, the writer of Proverbs uh, 23 says, what, what we think, we become. You know, Jesus said this way in Matthew 7, he, he would say things like, you know, a, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. But a bad tree can't produce good fruit. And basically, what, what each of those writers are saying and what Jesus was saying is that what goes on inside us, these kind of I thoughts that we have, 
when they're healthy, when they're sound and true, they produce a good life. Not a bad life, a good life. But when, the, when our thoughts get unhealthy, they get destructive, they, they become sinful, you can't produce a good life out of that. In other words, you are or you become what you think. That's the law of cognition. There's also another law at work in our lives, and that's the law of exposure. You know, your, your, your mind is going all the time. True? Except when you're sleeping, and even when you're sleeping sometimes, it's, it's racing. But our minds are going all the time, all the time. And they, what happens is, how are we exposing them? What are we exposing them to? You know, when uh, you begin thinking, and the thing that you, you dwell on or the, that occupies your, your thoughts, it eventually shapes you, right? It ultimately expresses itself in what you do, who you become. You know, the law of exposure, I believe, is inevitable. And it's unbreakable as like the law of gravity. You know, no, nobody here is surprised, are you, that with the law of gravity? You know, you in the kitchen and you're cooking and you drop an egg, it hits the floor and, and you look and go, well, that's really odd, that broke, you know. I, I mean, we, we expect it. But here's, here's what I find amazing is people act like the law of exposure is a total shock. They, they seem surprised uh, that whatever it is that they allow to occupy their mind, that they expose their mind to, that they tend to dwell on, that eventually it comes out in how we feel or what we do. You know, kids, we're, we're exposing our, our children to, I mean, thousands and thousands of acts of, of violence and, and murder. You know, whether it be on television or in the movies or video games, the Internet. And as that's going on, we, we are surprised that fights break out at basketball games or you can't even have a, a crowd there to cheer. They've been banned from the gym because of the fights in the past. You know, we, we seem surprised when there's a shooting that devastates a community like Columbine. We're in Alabama this past week. Well, what's that? I mean, this can be hard to hear. But here's the simple truth of the matter. We lack a national will, a, a, a self-restraint to create a society that will produce minds that are not saturated with violence. I mean, we are just not willing to put in the kind of thought, uh, attention, effort that would be required, you know, that would be required in, in the media, would be required in education, would be required in your home and mine, would be required in every single area to produce minds that are not saturated with anger and violence. I mean, we live in a society, I mean, we are flooded with, with sexual images. 
TV screens, computer screens, magazines, multiplex theaters, you name it. And these sexually explicit images, I mean, they're not just available to adults that that go looking for them. Not just teens that are trying to see what's out there. I mean, our children. I mean, our, our kids have no chance to protect themselves and no idea what they're getting into. And after a society is bombarded all the time, we, we seem surprised that the porno industry is rapidly growing. We seem shocked that sexual addictions on the rise, that affairs are commonplace. The law of exposure, friends, it is inevitable. You know, on kind of a, a more mundane level. Your mind and mine reflect whatever environment we, we place them in. You know, I remember being at a conference uh, probably 10 years ago. And... Um, the whole morning, uh, I was with other pastors, and the whole morning had been spent on servanthood leadership. whole morning immersed in the topic, talking about self-sacrifice and, you know, the being last. You know, the first, first will be last, the last will be first. And I remember they uh, had prayer, dismissed us to lunch, gave us some instructions about heading to the atrium. And so we headed to the atrium, and there was a serving line. And so hundreds of pastors, we we all get out in the atrium, and then it's like, well, you go first. No, you go first. You know, one of these. It was like a traffic jam. I mean, I'm looking at this going, somebody's got a lead. And so I went first so that I could get them going, you know. In contrast, I remember being at a football game. I was with a buddy of mine, and... Uh, we got a little ways into the game and decided we needed to go back and get some more Coke and some more hot dogs. And uh, so we went went out, and the lines are long. I mean, they were seriously long. And uh, it, it was interesting because after watching all this pushing and shoving on, on the field, I noticed the, the people were kind of aggressive. They were pushing and shoving you know, protecting their territory and, and the line. And we were uh, getting close to uh, placing our order, maybe three or four people back. And uh, the, this little old lady, I mean, she just pushes herself in front of us. And, I mean, she looked like a nice lady. But she was aggressive, she was rude, and it, so she just wedges herself in. And the, and the guy behind us, the guy behind us is like, hey, the line starts back there. And this is no kidding. Sweet little lady turns around and she unleashes. <laughs> Profanity made a sailor hide. I mean, I'm sitting there. Yeah. I will never forget the look on her face when my buddy clotheslined her and took her out. You know, that's like... <laughs> He, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't. Uh, someone's going, was it my mom? You know, that's like... Uh, but my, my point is that our minds absorb. They, they, they reflect what they get exposed to. 
You are not immune. I'm not immune on this one. But for some reason, people think that they can get away with, with violating this, this law of exposure. I, I hear it all the time. You know, I'll challenge someone or we'll get talking. They go, well, I, I can read that material. You know, I can view those, those images. I, I can listen to the twisted words of that music. And it's, it's not going to, uh, I mean, I'm not dwelling on it. And it's not going to affect me. It's okay. It's okay, Pastor. I'll be fine. Do you really believe that? Seriously. I mean, advertisers have leveraged the law of exposure for years. You know, the power of an image is suggestion. You know, flash an image of a, a blizzard or a Big Mac, and suddenly a lot of people go, I need a blizzard. I need a Big Mac. You know, in fact, some of you, I just lost you now. <laughs> you're, you're trying to figure out, okay, after church, do I go to McDonald's first or Dairy Queen? You know, social science has realized for a while now what the writers of Scripture knew all along. What we take in impacts us. And if you tell yourself that it doesn't have impact, friends, you are sadly deceived. You know, take, take for instance, teenage girls growing up today. I mean, if a teenage girl looks at enough magazine covers featuring these models that are paid outrageous amounts of money to make themselves unnaturally thin. Pretty soon what happens is the teenage girl begins to go, these are people I look up to. And then it goes from there to these are, are experts about what it means to be desirable, what it means and what life is really about. And friends, you do that long enough, you will raise a generation of young women who, whose minds are constantly filled with, I'm not thin enough, I'm not pretty, I'm not desirable enough, I'll never be loved enough. And feelings of self-esteem, they plummet. It impacts behavior, and, and that comes with serious consequences to not just physical health, emotional and spiritual And friends, we are producing a generation of young women. And it's a problem. Because it's embedded. You know, because we lack, we lack the wisdom. We we lack the national will, the self-restraint to create a society that produces another kind of mind. The law of exposure should not come as a surprise to anybody. And I hope this is kind of coming into focus because the events that you attend, the material that you read, the the music that you listen to, the images that, that you watch and take in, the conversations that you hold, the daydreams that you entertain, these are shaping your mind. Eventually, they shape your character and ultimately your destination. And your destiny in life. I mean, that's what's at stake. The stakes are high. I mean, we live in a world that is producing a certain kind of mind. 
I mean, look, look at the minds around you. And I'm not talking who's sitting next to you and stuff today, but in society, in the U.S. I mean, take a look at those minds. Take a look at the fruits of people's lives. I mean, we've got anxious minds, depressed minds, angry and, and violent thoughts, you know, minds that are obsessed with sexuality, you know, minds that, that are consumed with jealousy, envy, bitterness, fear, you know, minds that are self-absorbed, that are materialistic, that are self-indulged. And here, here's the deal. There is a, an upside to these laws, to this law of exposure. I mean, what you can do is put the truth to work for you. You, you can decide to get on the solution side of the equation in life. I mean, if you really want to. If you and I really want to become a certain kind of person, like, uh, like a truthful person, an honorable person, a just person, a commendable person, I mean, it is possible. It is possible to go that way. And Paul says, I've got the app. 2,000 years later, his words ring true, don't they? I mean, it works. This works. He says, finally, beloved, whatever's true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, if there's any excellence... If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Can you, can you imagine a world filled with people who had thoughts like that? Can you imagine for just a moment if, if just for a season, if the news in the magazines that we read and hear were like that. I mean, if the Internet sites that we visit honored that. You know, if the television shows and the movies that we watch, the conversations that we hold, the daydreams that we entertain, what if they were filled with what's true, what's honorable, what, what's just, what's pure. You know, Paul says, think excellent thoughts. You know, it really is possible for us to do that. Now hear me, possible. It's not going to happen automatically. You will not just one day drift toward that kind of mind. The world will not naturally shift in that direction. So, so how do we do that? I mean, I, I think there's a few things we can do, and I think as you read throughout Scripture and take it as, as a whole, that Scripture gives us some ways to, to get at that kind of mind. I mean, like, first you, you need to begin monitoring your mind. You know, become aware of every kind of thought that, that you have, everything that captivates your mind. Because the fact is, we really are. Thinking, we're thinking all the time. Your mind is going. And one of the dangerous things as your mind's going is to kind of slip into these uh, uh, mental patterns that they just take us the wrong direction. In fact, I, w- I would challenge you today 
to just stop at various times this, this coming week. Just various times, ordinary times. Also the extraordinary times. And just ask yourself in those moments, what am I thinking? What's running through my mind right now? You know, for example, you're driving home from work. You know, you're out on 270 and somebody cuts you off. What, what kind of thoughts run through your mind? Excellent? Praiseworthy? <laughs> Admirable thoughts? I mean, seriously, your mind could go a few different ways. I mean, you, you could think, as that happens, may, maybe the person that just cut me off, maybe they had a really bad day. I mean, maybe the person that just cut me off, maybe they didn't see me. Maybe they're on their way to an emergency. Maybe my pastor was running late to a meeting, you know, whatever. You could. It's possible to respond to that moment with poise, with wisdom, with with maturity. As hard as it is to believe, that truly is possible. Or you could think, that blankety blank. They are not getting by with that. They need to be taught a lesson in schools in session. Friends, you go down that track and those kind of thoughts give rise to feelings that ultimately give rise to behavior. It all starts with the mind. I mean, it's just that simple. You know, there's a portion of the mental health industry, the professionals that are just dedicated to this issue. You know, they specialize with dealing with road rage. Because, unfortunately, we live in a society that sometimes people find themselves in that situation and people use guns. People deliberately cause accidents, take foolish chances, you know, that result in someone getting hurt or worse. And and experts that work in that field, they they deal with people that struggle with, with rage, they will tell you it all starts with thinking. In other words, their first step is to kind of reprogram the mind of that person. Because what they found was people that got really angry, that they were thinking anger-producing thoughts. You know, they put the worst spin possible on the person driving the other car. You know, and so they would start calling that person names. And they're they're starting to spin it around in their head until they move from thought to to some ridiculous action. And so part of their boot camp uh, for road rage was to teach them that the next time that that happened, next time someone cut them off or did something that that just hit them, that they they were to create uh, a different message in their mind that they would point them to start monitoring their mind, that they, they would teach them the next time that someone cuts them off to imagine it was like their mom driving the car. You know, and for some of you, you go, well, that'd make me angry too. But, uh, you know, another message. I mean, what kind of thoughts 
are running through your mind. Because you've got to be aware of it. You have got to get a pulse on it. I mean, are they angry thoughts? Are they jealous thoughts? You know, selfish, sexually explicit, dishonest. You know, do you find yourself dwelling in the dissatisfaction of life? Because first step is diagnostic. And that is identify your thoughts. Identify your thoughts. And I believe as you become increasingly aware of what's in here, what's going on in your mind, if you're really honest, I mean, if you're anything like me, it's humbling. I mean, it's truly humbling. I mean, sometimes I have really bad thoughts. Don't get excited. I'm not going to tell you what they are, but uh, yeah, people were waking up. Oh, this will get good. But I really do. Not proud of it. But they're not good. And my guess is you're like that also. I mean, you, you do it too. So the second thing we need to do once we embrace what's going on here is we need to observe the law of exposure. You know, you need to expose your mind to the kind of media, the kind of books, the kind of messages, the kind of people, the kind of conversations, things that will incline you to move toward the right kind of thought, excellent thoughts. You know, to be in a position where you are being protected from the wrong kind of thoughts and influences in life. Everything, hear this, everything that you are exposed to moves you one way toward excellence or the other way away from it. And the fact is, I think the key question you have to ask yourself about everything, whatever it is that you're taking in, is which way is it moving me? You know, is it moving me toward excellence? Or is it moving me the other way? And part of this, part of this may depend upon what you struggle with in your life. You know, for instance, uh, if you uh, struggle in your life with materialism or, uh, you know, just consumerism, so to speak, and maybe, maybe in your mind you're like, you know, I don't, I don't like being so materialistic. I don't like being so selfish. You know, I want to be more generous. Again, this all tracks back to the thoughts. I mean, certain, certain resources that you take in will move you one way or the other. You know, like hang around Saks Fifth Avenue. That creates certain thoughts, doesn't it? And some of you go, well, I wouldn't go there. Well, pick your store, okay? I've got to have that. I've got to have it. If only, if only I could get this and it fuels the engine. Or there are, there are other sources, you know, like get involved in a, in a different deal, you know, get involved in helping the poor, you know, adopt a family, help a single mom. And part of what happens in the mind is you start thinking different. You start thinking about other people. You, you start considering what you might do, what you might give to to make a difference. And I believe as you immerse yourself in that kind of environment, you start to think different. You start feeling different. You start moving toward being more generous as a person. 
just by observing the law of exposure. You know, some wrestle with laziness in their life. And in fact, it's kind of the unmentionable in our society. Because the default activity in the U.S. is watch TV, isn't it? True? Because, I mean, think about how that works. How how many of you have found that if you watch a lot of TV, that it transforms you? That it energizes you into this kind of uh, proactive, sloth-defying superhero, all right? TV, by its very nature, reinforces passivity. It can get mind-numbing. You you don't have to think. You don't have to evaluate. You don't have to reflect. You don't have to decide. You know, our our mental habits uh, become uh, weaker. You know, our attention span becomes shorter and shorter. You know, we want everything to entertain us instead of engaging in it. And and don't misunderstand me. I, I watch TV. I'm not saying go home, throw your TVs out. But here's what bothers me. The thing that just, it's in the face, is that we can watch hours and hours of television every day. But we'll say, you know, I I can't find 10 minutes to spend with God. Can't find 10 minutes to spend reading God's word. Hmm. I would encourage you to make a commitment. Make a commitment. The law of exposure here. Expose yourself to things that feed your mind in an excellent way. You know, make time for God in your life. You know, God gave us the Bible to transform our minds and our lives. So, so that we could think about things that are, that are true and pure and honorable and just, godly. But friends, you gotta expose yourself to it. I mean, that's like what we're doing today, this morning, worshiping, studying God's word, allowing it to shape our minds. You know, that's why I'm always saying, be here on a regular basis. It's why it's so important. Because it does shape our minds. That's why our small groups are important. Because when people study God's word as they're talking and sharing, they, it, is, their minds are being shaped. You know, that's why I encourage you to read your, your Bibles every day, to spend time with God and in God's word. Allow God's word to mold you and shape your mind. And if you're a Christian today and you believe that you do not need to submit to that discipline in your life, daily discipline, you're sadly mistaken. I mean, on a daily basis, your mind is going to be bombarded with all kinds of messages, things that are not true, things that are not honorable, things that are not pure, you know, things that, that are not excellent. You know, the Bible talks about uh, us meditating on Scripture day and night, you know, so that it becomes a part of our life. And I know uh, people here meditate, and they're like, what? I mean, how do you meditate on God's Word? Well, 
how many of you know how to worry? Let me see hands. Come on. Some of you are worried about what I'm going to talk about next, right? I mean, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Because meditation is merely a positive form of worry. You know, you take one thought, you know, and you dwell on it. You absorb it. You think about it over and over and over until it just becomes a part of you. You know, the psalmist writes and says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hidden it in my heart. In other words, when you have your devotions, you read some scripture, that as you think about that scripture through the day, as you reflect, you know, maybe uh, you find a phrase in there that you're just going to kind of focus on through the day. What happens, it starts impacting your mind. And as it impacts your mind and your thoughts, it begins to impact your world and the way that you live. Spend time each day in God's Word. You got to do it. And you don't do it to show how spiritual you are. You don't do it to earn uh, points with God. Do you know why you meditate on God's Word? Because it will transform your mind. And ultimately transform your life. It's interesting, Jesus, uh, if you study his life, he did all kinds of things to feed his mind. He, He would get away to places of solitude. He would get away from all the messages that were bombarding him, that were pulling him down, weighing him down. You know, he'd get away and he would saturate himself with, with Scripture. So his mind would be impacted. You know, he'd get away, have times of prayer, spend time with his Heavenly Father. He'd get away and engage in conversations that molded his mind, that, that took him in the direction of excellence. And I believe that if Jesus Christ had to do those kind of things, well, what makes you think that you don't need to do that too? I mean, if you, if you think that you're immune to the law of exposure, if you truly believe that you can expose your mind to whatever society fills it with and that you'll be okay, you're just deceived. In a world where often the message is is twisted, is trivial, foolish, self-absorbed, and sometimes just downright evil, I, I believe at some point Christians, hear this. At some point, you've got to come to a place in your life and you say, you know what, God? I want a different mind. I want a mind that is filled with excellent thoughts, God-honoring thoughts. Can, could you imagine for a moment what it would be like if, if everyone here thought that way? Can you imagine for a moment that if everyone that calls faith fellowship their home thought that way? 
can you, can you imagine what it would be like for a community to think that way or for a nation to rise up and think that way? Can you imagine a world that thought that way? Well, Paul says possible. In fact, Paul says, I've got an app for that. Let's read together. Finally, beloved, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's pleasing, whatever's commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. God, we give you our minds. God, I thank you that your word is true through and through. And God, we live in a world where we are bombarded every turn, every moment with messages that are they're just tanking us out, taking us down some dark roads, just chipping away at us bit by bit. And God, I pray that we would just start filtering. We'd move your way. God, fill our minds with what you'd have us fill them with. God, help us to be the people that you have called us to be and created us to be. It's in Christ's holy name we pray.